following program is pre-recorded. Morning, glory, America. Bonjour, hi, Canada. That music means it's the Hillsdale Dialogue, the last radio hour of the week. When we go high and we go deep, usually with, and indeed this week with, Dr. Larry Arn, president of Hillsdale College. Now, normally we talk about old things, old books, old ideas that are new again or just being rediscovered again. But this weekend next, we're going to talk, we're going to break from our Shakespeare series. We'll come back to finish the history plays to talk about both Hillsdale right now and the United States right now, which we occasionally do on the Hillsdale Dialogue, even though Dr. Arn and I, when we talk about current events, retreat to Switzerland when it comes to politics. Is that not correct, Dr. Arn? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're all ba- stupid, so just don't, just don't endorse them. Don't engage. And so we, we go to Switzerland. We're not doing that today. Mm-hmm. I want to bring people up to speed on news about Hillsdale on the West Coast, of which I am a late learner, uh, a controversy about its West Coast news, a controversy, as Larry would say, if his wife had any influence on him whatsoever. And then to talk about Arthur Herman's theory next week of what's happening in American politics. But let's first begin with Hillsdale. And let's begin, Dr. Arm. We have new affiliates all over the place, including Wilmington, Delaware, which has been cut off from sweet reason for a long time. Mm-hmm. Would you tell them the brief history of Hillsdale? Uh, founded in 1844 abolitionist, uh, interested in the classics. She had to know Latin and Greek to enter Hillsdale College in the beginning. Uh, very patriotic, dedicated our oldest building on the 4th of July. Uh, very interested in the classics, in the faith, and in politics. And it's just a fact that uh, the two people who more than any others wrote the platform that Abraham Lincoln was elected president on worked in a building that still stands at Hillsdale College. Now, after... All those years, how is the college thriving today? Well, it's in a crisis. We don't know what to do with all the people who want to come to it. (laughs) (laughs) You you had me think, what? What did I miss? (laughs) (laughs) uh, Yeah, that's the way. Hillsdale College is different. I mean, I've come to think that it might be different from all of them because it's a happy and hard, and everybody's treated the same. And uh, that means uh, you're fully at, at liberty to say stupid things, and others are fully at liberty to call them stupid, as long as they have the intention of remaining friends. So anyway, that's the way a college is supposed to work, and that's the way ours works. Uh, there's been some testimony about that from from transfer students lately, I'm not going to mention their names because it's not my business to make them famous. Uh, it's my business to help them learn. But uh, they, you know, so it's, uh, and people are transferring to Hillsdale to get away with all this mess that from, that's going on in colleges now because colleges are frequently, mostly I think now, scenes of hostility and contention. No, I have a I have a proposition to make for you at the beginning of this. Uh, I'm a Harvard graduate, and the network effects of Harvard are real and significant as they are for the Ivies because of the people that you meet there. Not just what you learn there. Sometimes you'll learn good things, sometimes you'll learn bad things, and sometimes you won't learn anything at all. But the network benefits are real. I did not think that any college could ever break through the network benefits of an Ivy League. I thought Hillsdale could catch up. I'm now persuaded that for those who are publicly minded, 
who want to make their way in the world of politics and public affairs, that the network benefits of Hillsdale are actually better than my alma mater's. What do you think? Uh, well, uh, I, I had the general editor of one of the biggest papers in America sitting in my office a couple of months ago coming to recruit, and he, he wasn't talking about network benefits. He was talking about he needs some people to work for him who can think and who have not all, already got their minds made up about everything that comes in because of ancillary f- factors. And and so yeah, I think that's right. And I and see you, you we're, we're the great fact. I mean, there's this one young woman. I'm not going to mention her name, but she writes a blog that's all over the place. You can find it. Uh, and it's about his Hillsdale College is mentioned in it. And, uh, and she went to one of the Ivy Leagues. She went to one of the Seven Sisters, and she says nobody talks about anything there because they assume. Everybody agrees, and that means if you sound a discordant note, you will meet disapproval. And and that you know, so they've stopped being college now, and and uh, that's that's what's so awful, right? Uh, and and yeah, and so you know, they don't learn much, a, a lot, right? And so I, you know, I mean, I've had what ten students in class, I think who've gone to top law schools and become clerks on the Supreme Court. And there are three of them there right now. And, you know, those are dogs that will hunt, as I like to say. Those are dogs that will hunt, and you've got a couple of NFL players and everything in between. And and by that I do not mean to say that NFL players aren't smart. They are. I mean to say that your paths are many and diverse coming out of the Lantern of the North, Hillsdale College, and nobody quite knows. When I say network benefits, it includes not only knowing each other who went there, but having a reputation that is valuable in the public space. That's what that newspaper editor was communicating to you, I believe, is that your That's reputation right. yeah, it's proceeds. Not, so, you know, Hillsdale College is very well known, and, you know, we take some trouble to make it so, because everybody else, well, there's three or four others, but all the other colleges except three or four have a national base of support in the person of the federal taxpayer, and we don't have that. And, you know, I, I, the numbers are radical now. A, a, a typical private college gets, you know, seven-eighths of the money that it calls student revenues from the government. And in most of the private colleges, that's 80 or 90 percent of their revenues. And so do the math, right? It means uh, they're waiting for the federal check to pay their daily operating. And that means if you're doing that, like when the – pandemic hits and the federal government says you ought to close your college, uh, the people in the federal government who say that know nothing about the cost to the young of having their education disrupted. But you just have to do it. And it's just, and they don't, it's often they don't even give you a lawful order. They give you a suggestion. So that, you know, that's a, and that means, see, I mean, I, I think that there's, a crisis all over the place like this, if, if the government is the source, you know, first of all, the government spends a little more than half the economy now. And if it's the source of all funding of thinking and research, then isn't there a danger that will become centralized and it'll re- lead to groupthink 
And I think the signs of that are everywhere, including in this pandemic. Oh, my goodness. I don't know if you followed the uh, the Ilya Shapiro controversy at Georgetown Law, where woke students are demanding he not be allowed to teach on the basis of an ill-guided uh, tweet for which he's apologized. But Twitter is not exactly academia. But they had a gathering that was filmed that was just a deep embarrassment to Georgetown Law School because of the, the uh, quote, demands being made. And I do believe that credibility of higher ed has crumbled in the last two years. I would not pay a dime to send a student to a virtual college. Not a dime. See, you know, I'll tell you a terrible effect of all this. Uh, it, it's like how, how people talk on campus is now a political issue. Freedom of speech. Freedom of speech is guaranteed in the Constitution against the government stopping you from talking. And so freedom of speech on a college campus is a very important means, but it's not an end. The purpose in college is not to just be able to state your own views. It's to improve them and in collaboration with other people by studying and thinking and talking intensely. Well, what that means, though, is that once we think the way we think, uh, it, it, it takes the it takes the thinking of the individual student out of it. What what those protesters are saying is, others here may not be exposed to that argument, and of course that treats the others like they're stupid. And and instead, you know, uh, people used to say to me, this is no, notoriously not true, but they used to say when I first came to Hillsdale, uh, what will you say? people who say there's no room to argue on Hillsdale. And I said, I will argue with those people. (laughs) (laughs) No one makes that mistake anymore. Don't go anywhere, America. Dr. Larry Arn and I are going to talk about Hillsdale and its great move west. Uh, This is a dangerous place to come, Dr. Arn. We both know this place. And he's putting a flag on the West Coast, which is something to be celebrated. And I'm, I'm afraid it's going to be a little bit like The early Russian forts that got overwhelmed. We'll see. Don't go anywhere, America. It's the Hugh Hewitt Show. The Hillsdale Dialogue continues. All things Hillsdale are found at hillsdale.edu. It's another nonstop action-packed information blitz. Kind of makes you tingle, doesn't it? Hang on, Hugh Hewitt will be right back. Welcome back, America. I'm Hugh Hewitt. The Hilltale Dialogue is underway. If you've come back for the next episode of our Shakespeare History Festival, that will be in two weeks. Uh, Dean Steve Smith is under the weather and... Dr. Arn and I wanted to, to go on and yammer about what's going on in higher education today and what's going on at Hillsdale. But if you are a hankering for all of the Hillsdale Dialogues, simply type in Hillsdale Dialogues in iTunes, and you'll find the nearly 500 such conversations we've had, and you can just binge listen on that and improve yourself. Now, Dr. Arn, uh, it came to my attention this past week that Placer County there's a there's a disturbance in the force in Placer County, and and some of the leftists who live there are greatly upset. What has happened in Placer County? Uh, well, 
you know, it's probably 10 years ago or something now, but uh, there's a family of developers, and we know that fam- developers are terrible people. That all they do is build the houses that we live in. <laughs> uh, they, they, and these guys are, I'm not I'm going to, I don't know. I, uh, they, they're not in the article, so I won't name them. But they're California developers. The, most of the family is very affiliated with the Democratic Party. And, and that, that's not how they decided things. So they, they wanted, because they love Central California, and they live there all the time, northern and central California. And so they did this big development, and they've got permission for it, and they got written into the plan by the County Board of Supervisors that they would find a way to lo- locate an institution of higher education there. And they went looking for one, and they found three different ones, I think, and they all fell apart. And they ended up talking to me. And, you know, first of all, I didn't want it. But then, you know, I found out that there's some cool things you could do there. And, and, you know, there's a lot of money. I mean, a lot of acres. And it's right on the line where the development's happening. And I've been out there, several of us have been several times, and they've been to see us several times. And told them what we would do, which is, first of all, build what we call an education center. And that's uh, something on the way toward giving college courses for credit. And, you know, we have three and a half million online students now. And, you know, there's a a new course introduced right now on David in the Bible. And the teacher is one of the best teachers we got. And he looks like Rasputin. It's very funny. And yet he's brilliant. And people love these courses, right? So people want to meet. They want to get together after they do something online. And so we're going to have a center where people can come and do that, and uh, school teachers can come and train and all that. We have a lot of that stuff going on now. So that's the plan. And, uh, and you know, we have talked to the city council in Roseville, and we have talked to the board of supervisors. I really like those people. Many of them have been out to see us and spend some time on our campus, and they're just very keen for this. And so finally I decided, okay, we'll do it. And uh, we took possession of something over 1,000 acres and, uh, and lately took possession of a theater in downtown Roseville. And, you know, we're going to do something there. Do you know that a 1,000 um, acres is more than a square mile for the benefit of the Steelers fans? 640 acres is a square mile. So you've got a mile and a half square here, basically. And... An education center. How many buildings are in an education center? Uh, well, step one, one. <laughs> okay, step one. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we, it, it, uh, see, the Hillsdale College is crazy, right? The economics of Hillsdale College are just different, right? Because we, we spend like the Ivy League on each individual student, but we collect from them like, Cal State, San Bernardino or something, you know, which is a pretty good place. I taught some courses there one time. Uh, and so, it, you know, in that way, that we're just losing money on every kid and we'll never make it up on volume. No, you won't. But, but you will get Victor Davis Hanson to come up to Placer County more than you get him to go to Hillsdale because he's no dummy either in the middle of the winter. Well, he's, you know, but, you know, unlike you, Hugh, he's a very rugged individual. (laughs) (laughs) Don't go anywhere, America. I'll get him back after the segment. Hillsdale.edu for all things Hillsdale, including a new class on David, of which I was not aware. 
And for all the Hillsdale Dialogues, just type in Hillsdale Dialogue iTunes and you'll find all hundreds and hundreds of these hours. But we talk a little bit more about what one does on the West Coast surrounded by lefties when we return to the Hillsdale Dialogue on the Hugh Hewitt Show. You're in the middle of a non-stop action-packed information blitz. The Hugh Hewitt Show is coming right back. Welcome back, America. I'm Hugh Hewitt. Dr. Larry Arn is my guest. This Hillsdale Dialogue, unlike most of ours, and I'm talking about 400-plus Hillsdale Dialogues, maybe a handful of them are about the college itself is about the college itself because of news. One of their students wrote a piece um, that Barry Weiss picked up and sent around, and it talks about why it's liberating to go from a uh, PC woke university to Hillsdale. And the second is news that Hillsdale College is now in possession of a 1,000 acres of prime Placer County, California real estate on which to build an education center. Now, my problem is this, Dr. Arm. I recently had on Michael Schellenberger, a lefty from Oakland, a truly progressive activist who has written a brand new book, San Francisco, in which he takes a long, hard look at everything that has destroyed the Bay Area. And there are many things that have destroyed the Bay Area as a place that is welcoming and wonderful to live, that is neo-totalitarian in its quashing of dissent. And it's actually an early warning signal of what is happening in the rest of the state. One needs only visit the... Uh, Central City of Los Angeles, Skid Row to see 70,000 people living in tents on the sidewalk. California has become a failed state. Uh, I mean, really, a failed state. Why in the world try and save it? Well, uh, sometimes we debate that point. Uh, uh, You know, I lived in California for 23 years. I know, and you bothered me every year of that. I know very well. I I mean, I finally moved to the Midwest to escape (laughs) Hugh Hewitt, and it didn't work. uh, Isn't California a beautiful and an important state? Yes. And and its cities are ill-governed, and they're declining. I mean, that's just—I'm sad about that. I I moved to California from Arkansas, and Arkansas is healthy today and beautiful. Right, but California is mighty and important. And I swear, when I first moved there, uh, Southern California looked like a big old Disneyland to me. And then, you know, if, if you have the vice of riding motorcycles, uh, ride up the California coast or down the middle through the Central Valley, it's just awesome, right? And I had a real loyalty to it. And it, you know, it became difficult to live there, and people are leaving. And, uh, and I, among them, me, among them, me. And I, I, I want to repeat for the benefit of the audience. I came out here in 1978 and in a 1974 Dodge Dart Sport with my buddy Robbie. And the first thing we said to each other when we arrived on the UCLA campus is, why did no one tell us? Because we grew up in Ohio and we went to school. And no one informed us. And then I lived in San Clay. It's a, there may not be a more beautiful place in the world to live, but it is fundamentally ungovernable. It is ungoverned space. And, it, you know, isn't that? By the way, I, I drove to California in 1974 in a Dodge Dart. <laughs> <laughs> they were wonderful cars. They were indestructible. Yeah. 
It, uh, you know, I did eventually manage to destroy mine, but it took a long time. If uh, it, you know, so that's and and the thing is, there are many Californians, Californias right now, and up there, and you know, I had a meeting. Uh, I was asked to go to uh, meet with. There was a lunch in the city hall in Roseville. And, you know, you and I, Hugh, have done things like that many times. Yes. And, uh, and you know, they're not often friendly. This was just awesome. It's just there were 60 people, and they wanted us to come there. And I told all the reasons why that would be controversial. And, 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 I, and I said, you know, we're going to be called a racist, as we have been in the Sacramento Bee of late, but... We're an abolitionist college, right? We've always held to that. We do not discriminate on the grounds of color in any way and never have. And we're not going to do it today. And we get orders from the government that we ought to these days. And there's a reason for that. Uh, a human being, a human soul is a unique thing. It's, it's awesome. We'll do a show about this one day. What is Aristotle's account of the soul? How does it do what it seems to be able to do. And it's awesome what it does. I mean, you know, the most important being on earth today is Charlotte, my granddaughter, and she's better than everybody else's granddaughter, I promise. Again, a mistake, but go ahead. And And she's 14 months, and she's starting to talk. And it's just amazing. Uh, And we marvel at it. And see, we don't teach her to talk. She just hears. And we, sure enough, but wonderful coincidence, we have two boxer puppies that come along about the same time as Charlotte, and they're growing up together, and the boxer puppies are not learning to talk. They never will. will. Well, that's how we understand, see. We see a dimension of the world, the dimension of the world, that is unknown to the other animals. And that separates us from them. And that means an accidental factor, left-handed or right-handed, skin color or whatever, that is not relevant. And it's certainly not relevant to ability to learn. And that was the code on which our college was founded. And, you know, in the Civil War, we have a body count. We have four Congressional Medals of Honor from the Civil War. And what, were, what did they go fight for? They heard Frederick Douglass speak on our campus. <laughs> and they go out and fight for the principle that everybody treat, is to be treated the same. I, I have a proposition for you, Dr. Arn. I read the Sacramento Union slander on Hillsdale, and it angered me because it was stupid and it was vile and it was lazy. So I think that the, the Sacramento Bee ought to summon every editorial employee to a room and you ought to provide a random selection of Hillsdale College students in the same number. So if they produce 80 editorial employees, you will produce 80 at random students. And you ought to give them a test of basic knowledge. Because I <laughs> am I am convinced after the Whoopi Goldberg, Whoopi Goldberg is, is guilty of stupidity, uh, of ignorance. That doesn't mean she's stupid. She's just ignorant of what the Holocaust was about. She can be educated. But a lot of the left doesn't want to be educated. But I guarantee you that a blind, double-blind uh, uh, randomized trial of intelligence in the Sacramento Bee and the Hildale College undergraduates, you would win every time. Not 9 out of 10, 10 out of 10. 
Probably so. You know, uh, if people, uh, you really need to spend a lot of time, you've done it, around a college to see what happens, right? So first of all, they show up. I mean, today, our kids are super smart, right? It's very hard to get into Hillsdale College. And, and, uh, and they, you know, they've, this is a different kind of work. You're going to sit down with things that are fundamental, in the humanities and the natural sciences. And that means you're going to read Plato and Aristotle early, Herodotus, uh, the book of Job. And you're going to read those things seriously. And you'll, you'll find that the first page is challenging. And then you'll say, and this is not the only big book we're going to read here. <laughs> so you're, you're, you're drinking from a fire hose, right? And, and it's, exciting it's uh and it's confusing right and they and then then you watch because you know one marvels at the students by the time they get to be seniors they're grown-ups we it wouldn't be fair but we'd send seniors out there right because they have learned a lot and yet still by the way a fraction of what they will know as they think for the rest of their lives about the things with which they become acquainted and that experience changes one, right? It's, it, 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 it changes your mental and moral habits as well as providing information. And a skill set. Can I add to that? All yeah. of that is true, that when I have been asked to recommend for jobs in Washington, D.C., for the last 10 years, youngsters, I have inevitably recommended Hillsdale students because they can write. And if there's one skill set that most of the universities in America have abandoned teaching, it's writing and not just an an expositional uh, course in your freshman class. I mean, you folks write. That's the only way to learn how to write is to write. Yeah, if you and see, the reason people abandon that is it's hell to teach somebody to write. Oh, gosh. you, You have to read their papers. Yeah. So you watch that thing that I mentioned earlier on David. Uh, that's Justin Jackson is his name, and he's one of our best teachers, and he's one of our hardest teachers. And he, he you, you give him a paper, and he will take it apart. And he's doing you a great favor, and it takes a long time for him to do that, see? I do it, too, in the one class, you know, and nobody does it better than he does. And, and he, you know, he, he, here's how he constructs his classes. Uh, he gives you a bunch of activities. Every, every several a week, and you do them on whatever the online thing is, and it shows that you've done the readings. And then he says, if you do all of those, if you just do them, you will not be able to get less than a C in the class. Huh. That's the good news. The bad news is you're still going to get a C. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have been grading tests for 25 years, and I tell my law student, if you will simply memorize and be able to repeat to me uh, 300 case holdings, which is uh, de minimis for passing a bar, then you will not fail my class. You might not get above a C, but you will not fail. And you know what? People fail the class every year because they will not do the work, which is fine. I mean, that's a choice that they make. But learning to write, it just can't be one class. It has to be an exercise that is pursued. And I don't think American education pursues it anymore, Dr. Arn. See, that's, and that's a proof, right? You know, I think the reason a lot of these colleges are not having classes is that they lack the discipline to have them. 
Because there's a reason to do it by Zoom, and Zoom is easier both for the teacher and for the student, although depressing for the student, isolating. You know, college, I kept saying to various bureaucrats in Michigan, do you understand that the word college and the word social distancing are opposite terms? And, and you know, and you, you know. And, and Larry, I've taken two years off of teaching because I will not teach by Zoom because it's not possible. Uh, t- teachers are performers. They have to perform. They have to impart. They have to see their students or it doesn't work. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, uh, it's just, you know, it can, you know, there can be real value in that, by the way. But that value doesn't rise up to the level of the greatness of a bunch of motivated people interested in the same thing, reading closely and talking about it and arguing about it, see? And that's, that's the recreation of the conversations in Plato's dialogues. Exactly. And when we come back from break, we're going to tell you, because I'm, I'm very efficient about that, how to get into Hillsdale College. You're not guaranteed, but I'm going to go through the rules when we return. Don't go anywhere. This is The Hugh Hewitt Show. America, the Hillsdale Dialogue is going along. Hillsdale is very famous this week. One of their students has written a piece that has gone just about everywhere about leaving his seven sisters, going to Hillsdale, and finding freedom. Finding college. College has actually been canceled for two years in the United States, but not at the Lantern of Freedom up in the north, Hillsdale College. And they're going to Sacramento Bee Land, where they're being pummeled, and they're doing things in Washington, D.C., where they are educating. So, so people now want to know, how do I get my kid to Hillsdale? So I always ask the president of the college the same question. How do you get in, Dr. Arndt? Well, alas, the answer to that today is probably you don't. But, uh, but if you, uh, there, you know, there are two things that matter to perform in college at a high level for four long years, which, by the way, pass in a glimmer of an eye. It takes intellect and character. You have to be smart. And you have to be able to apply yourself consistently over and over. And so we're looking for those two things. Those, by the way, are the two elements of human performance. And, and uh, that, so uh, we don't, you know, we, uh, a lot of it at Hillsdale, it's different. You know, you take the test if you want, you know, you have to, well, we don't make you take the test, the ACT, SAT stuff anymore although very high scores on those are what our kids get. And I think the average entering grade point average is 3.9 something. Uh, but matters a lot. You have to write some things for us. And it's way better. Just about everybody and just about everybody who gets in has a conversation with us. And, you know, the admissions office, and sometimes I talk to them. I mean, I'm... And that scares a lot of people away, but they shouldn't be scared away. I mean, that's just that's yeah. the barking it, dog. If you can scare them away, <laughs> it's better for them not to come. That's right? true. Because, <laughs> I mean, first of all, the success rates are very high at Hillsdale College, but it's important for the freshmen not to think that. <laughs> so, you know, because... Don't tell them. <laughs> you know, get, get your boots on, right? That's my, the last words. I give a honor code talk on the Monday after pre-opening conference, pre, uh, freshman convocation. And, you know, they have a ceremony. I, I give them a talk for an hour. They're all the freshmen. They're in the auditorium. And I scare the dickens out of them. 
And I, the last words are always, get your boots on, right? And then they go out and sign the honor code, or they don't. And they always do. But, uh, you know, if, but that's the last step, right? In other words, I, I even, I, I, uh, said, somebody said to me three or four years ago, we make this plane. And if I don't, uh, sign this, and I say, we'll help you find somewhere to go to college. And they say, if I do, I said, then you belong to me now. Yeah, and then my and, rules. And I, and I belong to you, too. See? Yeah, I, I guarantee people, they will learn to learn, they will learn to write, they will learn to work hard, and they will enjoy the experience. They, they, I have not yet met an unhappy Hillsdale graduate. I don't know if that's your, your, your experience, Dr. Arn. You, you know a lot more of them than I do, but I have yet to meet an unhappy Hillsdale graduate. It's the principle of volunteerism, see. Uh, first of all, you know, when I came to Hillsdale College, uh, our freshman retention rate was 75%. That means 25%, a quarter of the freshman class left. And the national average is around 40%, by the way. Uh, but 25%, I just, we, we thought that was kind of cool. Uh, I thought it was a disaster because I, my favorite sport is eating in the dining hall, sitting with the students. And there was always somebody unhappy at the table. And they had complaints. And I spent a long, it took me two years to figure out what was going on. And I would argue with the complaints. And I could see I couldn't win the argument. And then this wonderful thing happened. This boy, he, he was a long jumper. He's, I remember his name, but I won't say it. And he made me mad at senior dinner at my house. He forgave me. Because he knows that all these things that the students don't like, I have to do for the donors. So he, he forgave me as a mercenary. And I don't know why. I was just really tired. And I snapped. And I said, what are you doing here? And, you know, it's senior dinner at my house, right? And, it's, you know, sort of, and I, he said, well, I love the college. And I said, what do you love about it? He said, why didn't you go to the University of Michigan? Couldn't get in? Not a good enough long jumper. I was taunting him, right? And I just noticed he was in full retreat. And uh, what I would get is grudging agreement if I proved to them that we ought, to, we ought not to mix the sexes up in the dorms, for example. And, and uh, then I said, could you read when you came here? And he said, yeah. And I said, did you? And he said, yeah. And I said, so here you are four years later complaining about something you had every reason to know when you came here. And I noticed I just ran him out of town, just destroyed him. I mean, you know, he's a friend of mine today, but uh, the next morning we wrote the honor code. Because, you see, their will, they are going to do the learning. They have to make the effort, and they need to want to. And that's why you should... If you have one of those students in your household, go to hillsdale.edu and apply now. Because it is hard to get in, but if you get in, well, you will certainly be educated. You'll learn, actually, how to enjoy life as well. Dr. Larry Arnold will be back next week on The Great Confinement. Don't miss it. When you absolutely, positively need the truth, this is where you turn. This is The Hugh Hewitt Show.